We're in Luke 13, chapter 13, verse 22 through 30. Who gets left out and who gets let in? That's the subject of the passage we read. I once applied to an exclusive college, and guess what? Yeah, I got left out. (laughs) I got denied. I go, what? How could they deny me? I'm a football player. How dare they? Now, some of you have sought jobs in top-tier corporations, and you got in, didn't you? Yeah, you got in to the top-tier corporations. Congratulations. Who gets in and who is left out? In Christ's day and in our day, people were asking who will get into heaven and who will be separated from God? Can you think of any more important question? And let's be honest, is this a question that the church is talking about? Maybe they're talking about heaven, but are they talking about who gets left out and why they get left out and where they get left out too? Yeah. We're going to talk about why. Jesus answers his disciples' question that day. He tells them, that God's mercy is wide, but the way is what? Narrow. God's mercy is wide, Jesus said, and many people are going to get in. But the way is narrow, and many people are going to get shut out and left out. How narrow or wide is God's mercy? It can't be so narrow that God is unjust. Am I right? But it can't be so wide as God is unjust. We know that God's mercy is wide, and we know that the way is narrow. Jesus tells us in this passage of Scripture, folks, that God does not have a mercy problem. God has no problem giving mercy. The problem lies with human beings. We have a way problem. We don't like the way, we don't like the direction. We don't like it that the way is narrow. So Christ lays his cards on the table and he commands his disciples the following. Verse 24, Jesus, with a sense of urgency, with a sense of command, says, make every effort. Does he say, do your best? Give it the old college try. Give it a round or two. Take it out for a test drive. No, he says, make every effort. This is a command. It's imperative to do what? To enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, how many? Many. Many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Jesus answers our question. But there's going to be many who transition from this life to the next life that will not have eternal life with God. Let's be the church. Let's be honest. They're going to go to hell. Let's say it again. I sense some squeamishness. They're going to go to hell. How many? 
Many. Jesus is many. Many will find mercy, but many will not enter into eternal life with God. Matthew 7.13, Jesus says a similar thing. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's not life, that's destruction. And many enter through it. How many? A lot. Many. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. God's mercy is wide, but His way is narrow. Let's say it again. God's mercy is wide, but His way is narrow. And that is a message that makes people mad. It's a message that drives the secular people. And not only the secular people, it's a message that that is driving the church mad. Yes, people are going to go to hell. It's tragic. It's a calamity. It's a disaster. But God's mercy can't be so wide as to be unjust. Let's grab hands with Hitler and join him in heaven. Stalin and I will play cards together and Mao Zedong will be with us. How wide is God's mercy? It's not so wide as to make God a monster. And it's not so narrow as to make God a monster. Those who seek God will find Him in any generation. Paul says that God set times and places for people to be, to hear the Gospel because He knew they would seek Him. It's a message that makes people mad. It's an exclusive message. And in verse 28, It's a message, it's a reality that's going to make people mad in the afterlife when they get to the gates of heaven and God says, I don't know who you are, get out of here. It says there's going to be what? The gnashing of what? Have you ever seen people who are enraged? Do you ever see their teeth? They're they're like, ah! They're so angry that their teeth show. It looks like they're going to bite you. There's going to be people who die and, and appear before Jesus as their judge, and they're going to be infuriated. How dare you not let me into eternal life? How dare you, Jesus? And they're going to go to hell, and they're going to rage in hell for eternity. You know that there are people in this community, there are people in your life who are raging at this very moment. They rage about Democrats. They rage about Republicans. They rage about the church, about Christianity, about the Bible. They're rageaholics. Well, they're going to get their share of it in hell. But I think even more, I think many of the many who are left out of the kingdom of God, verse 28, Jesus said, there's going to be gnashing of teeth, but also what? Weeping. Weeping. There are people who are going to enter into eternity and they think they're on the way to heaven. And they're going to appear before Jesus and He's going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. 
And instead of being enraged by it, they're going to be eternally weeping. Why didn't I listen? Why didn't I turn to Christ? Why didn't my mother and father tell me about this? Why didn't I attend church with my friend that one time? Can you imagine right now that hell is filled with people who are broken, wailing, and weeping? Christ describes two characteristics of those who are kept out of the kingdom of God. Two characteristics. One is that they are presumptuous people. And presumption always begins with another P word. Pride. They're proudly presumptuous. Look in verse 26. And they will say, wait a minute. We ate and drank with you, bro. And you taught in our streets, man. We heard your word. We were down with it. We liked you. Come on, bro, Jesus. You were our homeboy. I had your name tattooed right here on my shoulder. I hung a crucifix from my rearview mirror. I know who you are, Jesus. What do you mean you don't know me? And he's going to say to them, away from me, all you evildoers. I don't know you. I don't know where you come from. What a shock. What a shock they're going to be in for because they were pridefully presumptuous. And so Paul, excuse me, Jesus. And so Jesus says in verse 24, he commands us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door. So how much effort? Every. The Greek word behind this expression, every effort, is the word agonize, where we get the word agonize, we're to agonize to get through the narrow door. Have you ever heard this expression? Familiarity breeds contempt. How about this one? Assumption leads to presumption. As a coach, it's very common for me to see kids who show up very late in the season and they're very athletic kids, but they don't put any work in and they have bad attitudes and they expect to start because they are pridefully presumptuous. They presume that they're good enough to play on the team because they have some gifts and talents to offer. Those kids don't start. And a lot of them, quite frankly, will never play. I want to say this. You and I can have an assurance of salvation. We can be assured that we are saved. Not based on our presumptuous pride. Not based on our good works. But we can have an assurance of salvation based on the promises of God and His holy word. And based on our humble cooperation with God's grace. Make every effort. God gives us the grace to find Him if we'll only seek. Make every effort to hold your hand out and receive a $5 bill. Hey, I don't need that. Right? That's gift. That's grace. Make every effort to move to a new town so you can, you can live in a mansion. Hey man, I don't need that. I don't have the time. That's the kind of effort we're talking about. Receiving the grace of God and cooperating with it. Not earning your salvation. People who are presumptuous and prideful are going to be left out of the kingdom of heaven. 
And the second characteristic is that people who procrastinate will not be let in. In verse 25, Jesus said, Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Jesus says there's a time limit, doesn't he? There's a time when it's too late. Some people speculate, well, there's an extra chance after heaven. And the church has debated it. But we know there's a chance here. When is too late? I wouldn't even gamble on it. If I told you you had nine months to live, would it change your, would it change your life? Be honest. Absolutely. It would change mine. It would change my behavior. It would change my actions. How about if I told you you had 90 you had 90 strong, healthy, vital years of living. Would it change your life? Change your behavior? Yeah, change mine. But let me ask you this. Even if you had 90 productive, healthy years of living, what would 90 years be in relationship to eternity? What would 90 healthy, great, blessed, prosperous years be in relationship to eternity? Would it be like 90 years equals 9 months in eternity? I don't think so. Would it be that 90 years equals 9 seconds in respect to eternity? I don't even think it would be 9 seconds. How should you live your 9 second life? And that will give us 9 seconds. How should you live your 9 second life in view of eternity? The Scriptures, Jesus, the church tells us how. We live it with urgency and eternal perspective. When children die, it's a tragedy, isn't it? It's just a tragedy when children die. We think they, they didn't get their life. But think about this. There's another perspective, an eternal perspective. They're that much longer with God. They're that much longer with God. Yeah, it's a tragedy for us. But for them, instead of 90 years on earth, they were... 81 years with God. More with God. I think God would say to this generation, especially those who are in their teens and 20s and 30s, how important are your goals? How important is your happiness? How important is your fulfillment? How important is your opinion? How important is your life in light of eternity and God's power and majesty? The prophet Isaiah says in 40.13, Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed Him or been His counselor? I can guarantee you it's not me. He doesn't turn to me to ask advice. I think it's laughable. I think it's incredibly laughable how important people believe they are when they post to social media. Have you seen some of the things that people post to social media? Like their opinions are so important. And many of these people post contrary to the Word of God. How important is their opinion in light of God's eternal Word? Or should God go and consult them on Facebook? Now these are hard-hitting messages we're preaching, but Jesus has His face turned to Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. He has to, sh to shoot straight with His disciples. He has to tell them how it really is. One message that God would speak to this generation of teens and 20s and 30s is that God is not here to meet your need. 
Do you hear that? If you're in your teens, if you're in your 20s, and you're in your 30s, and you're listening to this message, God is not here to meet your need. God is not here to entertain you in worship. God is not here to comfort you when you're down, when you're in trouble, when you need to ring up God and get some help. He's not there for you in that way. God is not here to meet your need. God is your need. God is your need. Jesus had compassion on a bunch of people because they were out in the desert. He tried to get away from them and they just followed Him. And he, They were in a desert and they were hungry. So God multiplied a few loaves and fishes and fed thousands. Then He snuck out real quick. And what did they do? They followed Him. And when they caught up with Him after seeing this miracle, what was the thing they wanted? Did they want His Word? What was the thing they wanted? They wanted bread. And Jesus looked at him and said, I am the bread of life. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will never hunger or thirst. God is your need. He is not here to meet your need. You are here to meet His need. The need of His church. The need of the lost people of this world. And if you're a Christian in your 20s and 30s or your teens, get over yourself and get into the kingdom and start following Jesus. Because folks, people are going to hell. And they don't want to hear it. There's people in the church who are going to hell and they need to hear it. We don't need to scare the hell out of this generation. We need to scare the hell back into them. We've lost the fear of God. Haven't we? We've lost the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Of wisdom. It's cruel and selfish not to tell people the truth because you don't want them to gnash their teeth at you. And here's the truth. Here's the truth that Jesus spoke to His disciples when they asked Him, will only a few be saved? He said, God's mercy is wide, but the way of salvation is narrow. God's mercy is wide, the way of salvation is narrow, and for preaching the nuances of this message, for preaching the nuances of that message, and maybe preaching in ways that I would not preach, but for preaching the nuances of the message, God's mercy is wide, but the way of salvation is narrow. Christians are being charged with hate speech in Canada and the United Kingdom. They're being sued, jailed, prosecuted. For the message, God's mercy is wide, but the way of salvation is narrow. The early Christians endured wave after wave after wave of persecution and martyrdom. The reason they were martyred is because they said the way is narrow. We're not going to mix paganism with Jesus. We're not going to compromise. And this message, God's mercy is wide, but the way of salvation is narrow, was the message that crucified Jesus. High priest came up to him and said, Who do you claim to be? He said, God's mercy is wide, but I am the way of salvation. He gnashed his teeth, and the high priest tore his clothes and said, What more do we need to hear? Take him out and kill him. Christ said, At the end of their life, many people are going to be so surprised that they are not allowed to enter into the kingdom of God. Some are going to gnash their teeth and be 
and rage for eternity. But many, 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 many others are going to weep. Why didn't I turn? Why weren't my eyes open? How come I couldn't see it? How come I couldn't see that, that this life that I thought was so important was really only nine seconds in the light of eternity and God's power and majesty? How come I couldn't see it? What will you do? What will you do with your brief life in view of God's eternity, in view of God's power, and in view of God's majesty? Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 24, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and will not be able. And folks, this hard-hitting truth is the good news of the gospel of Jesus for us today. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, grant us your peace. Amen.